Happy Easter, everybody. Everybody doing good? Man, it's a good day. Incredible worship, incredible worship. And so thank you guys for uh, being here today. And uh, if you guys, uh, some of you, I, w- I just want to invite the men to the crawfish bowl. I just saw that on there. I invited a couple of guys a while ago. He goes, well, I don't eat crawfish. And I said, well, we have shrimp. He goes, well, I don't eat shrimp. And I was like, well, maybe we just need to get some Little Debbie's or something, you know, for some of the guys that eat that. I don't know. But, but, uh, but man, we would love for you guys to come back and be a part of that. But we're excited about this weekend. It's, uh, we had two services last night. Uh, we've had baptisms every service. been exciting. Uh, this morning we had baptism. Next service we've got a lot of baptisms. And, um, and that's really what it's about. It's about that's, what the, that's what Easter weekend is about. It's about the cross of Christ, right? On Friday we celebrate, yes, right, the cross. You can give it up for him. He deserves it, right? We celebrate the, the Good Friday. We celebrate the cross of Jesus, man. He went and he hung on a cross for you and for me to pay for my sins, for your sins, for my transgressions. And so we, we, you know, we moved through the weekend. Saturday is kind of the silent Saturday, if you will. But, man, it wasn't here. We had celebration just like we, we, identical service last night. We had two of them. It was incredible just to see the worship take place. And so there's that celebration. But we know that Sunday, man, the risen Savior, we, we celebrate a risen Savior, right? That tomb is empty. So we celebrate that. We love that. And so Easter here at Journey, to, if you're joining us online or if you're here in person, man, we're, we're glad that you're here. We've been praying for you. Uh, we Saturday, yesterday morning, actually at 8 o'clock, we went and met at some of the schools and we prayed over the schools in the rain. And then we kind of drove around the schools, prayed over them. And then we uh, came back here and we prayed over this room. We prayed over everything that would happen this weekend. And we prayed for lost souls to be saved. We prayed for people to come and just uh, hear the gospel, maybe for the first time. And uh, that someone would put their faith in Christ. And that's already taken place last night. So God has already answered those prayers. So it's been an exciting weekend already. So I want us to kind of uh, unpack uh, what what it's really about. So what really changes? Pa- Pastor Tony did a great job last week talking about what could change in a week. You know, and the people changed in a week. And so a lot of things can change in a week. A lot of things can change in, a, in a, an hour, in a moment, in a decision. And so all it takes is that, that moment whenever it kind of finally clicks for you. And, you know, and everything can change. Everything in your whole life can change. Your whole direction, your whole trajectory in life can change with that one decision where you surrender your life to Christ. Whenever you say, hey, you know what, I, I finally get it, I understand. And for me, that was at the age of 19. And, man, I, I had been in church my whole life, been raised in church, and uh, had been to v, VBS, made everything you can make out of macaroni and potholders and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I did all that stuff, right? And uh, learned all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I learned a lot of knowledge about Jesus, but I didn't really know him. And everything changed whenever I, when I was 19 years old, and I finally kind of put it all together in my head and my heart, and I surrendered. And that's what changed for me. And it changed a lot about my life. It changed the whole direction of my life. And so what really changes whenever all this comes to play, and I want us to kind of, I don't want us to run past the crucifixion or the death or the resurrection. Because there's a lot that we try to cover, you know, in a 35, 40 minute message, you know, hey, I'm trying to cover all this. But here's the thing, I want you to not miss what God's word says about the crucifixion. And, and so as we look back to Friday, let's look at this passage here. It says, after they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. And then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. And so hopefully you understand what took place on the cross, that Jesus was li- really nailed to a cross. You know, we wear it as jewelry now, and we kind of you know, hang it up in our, in our offices or our house. We put it in front of a building. But the thing is, is the cross was, uh, it was the worst form of, uh, you know, of, of torture. And the Romans were good at that. So he really was nailed to that cross. And it's kind of humiliating. It says that, you know, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. But what they didn't know is they were fulfilling Scripture. That literally Scripture would be fulfilled. So Jesus was fulfillment of all the prophecies. Everything that was pointing to the Messiah 
point it to Jesus. Now, a lot of them missed that. A lot of them did not uh, understand that. It says, then they sat around and they kept guard as he hung there because they wanted to make sure that he died. And they wanted it to be a slow death. They didn't want it to happen too quickly because they wanted this guy to be tortured. And so they literally are sitting around waiting for him to die. So they're just kind of watching and waiting. And he's got nails in his hands, got nails in his feet. And what the, the prisoner would have to do was have to push himself up, pull himself up to breathe. And he would die by asphyxiation, by suffering. I mean, by suffocation. He would literally not be able to breathe. And if he did not die soon enough, they would break his leg so that he could not push himself up, so that he could not breathe anymore, and he would die. And so I think it's important for us to understand that Jesus was really hung on that cross. It says, a sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. And it read this, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And so all they had to really, as a charge against him, would say that he was king of the Jews. They got it wrong. He was king of kings, right? He was king of kings. And so that's all they had to hang above his name or to hang above his head was to say that that was his crime. But he committed no crime. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Most of us know there was a criminal on each side. When we see the three crosses, we know that Jesus hung in the middle and there was a thief on either side. And that was, that was out at the skull, Golgotha, right? And so we know that, and we know that one of those, we read the Gospels, and one of those, those criminals would call out to Jesus and say, Jesus remembered me today. And Jesus would say, hey, listen, today you'll be with me in paradise. The other would mock him, would scoff at him, a good picture of what the world does, right? And so there are some that would t- say, hey, listen, I believe. And so that believing changes everything. When we really believe, it changes. Something changes in us, something changes in our life, and it changes everything about us. And, and so here, these two revolutionaries are hanging there, one on his right, one on his left. The death of Jesus. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. At about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lima, Sabathnia, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And many theologians would say that that's whenever the, the sins of the world, our sins, you're lying, you're cheating, you're greed, everything that you've ever done that is sin is placed upon Jesus. And father, the Father who is holy could not look upon sin, could have nothing to do with sin, and he literally has to turn his back on sin, which is, is our sin placed on our Savior. And so Jesus is crying out, and he hears that. And the people, again, they're looking for a show. Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Look at what happens. It says, but the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elisha comes to, uh, to save him. So they wanted to see a show again, right? They wanted, they wanted what they wanted. And we wonder, you know, like Tony was talking about last week, you know, how, what, you know, how could everything change so quickly? Last week on Palm Sunday, they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're laying down their coats. They're laying down palm branches. They're treating him with royalty. And now this week, they're hollering, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And what we look at that and we think, man, what's wrong with these people? I mean, what is wrong with them? But what it was is Jesus didn't measure up to what they thought he should be. They had in their mind one kind of Jesus and one picture of what Jesus would be. And, and he didn't measure up. He's not what they were looking for. And I'm just telling you, we have that same issue here today. There are times that we want Jesus, but we want him to do our wish list. We want him to do what we want. We want him to answer every prayer that we pray the way that we pray it, not according to his will. And so oftentimes we look at Jesus and we go, hey, Jesus, you're just not what I'm looking for. And so we start looking elsewhere. We'll look in other places and other things, and we want those things to fulfill us that song we just got through singing man it really points to the fact that oftentimes we look in, through this world and we're looking for stuff that to fill that void and it will not only jesus can 
And so then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. So it's, I think it's important for us to understand that Jesus really died. Now, if you're one of those where you go, well, I'm not sure he really died. You know, he may have just kind of been asleep or whatever. You know, they gave him some stuff and maybe he was able to kind of do it like maybe on Avengers or something like that. That's not the way it worked. I mean, the scripture is clear. This is the truth. He died. He gave up his spirit. And just to make sure the soldiers that were there literally took a spear and ran it into his side to make sure that he was dead. And it says that blood and water poured forth. And so they, they wanted to make sure he's dead. Their job was to make sure he, he suffered and then to make sure that he died. And so whenever we look at that, we go, you know what, man, that's horrible. But the thing is, is Jesus had to die. He had already told the disciples over and over again that he would have to suffer. He would have to die, but he would rise again. In three days, he would handle business. And he does. He does. We see that in the picture of the resurrection. In Matthew 28 here, it says, early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Like I said, and I've said this before, one of my favorite scenes, my mental pictures that I have in my mind when I read that passage, is there's this earthquake. And if you guys have ever been anywhere with this earthquake, man, you start grabbing the ground. You're trying to figure out, hey, what's going on, right? It rattles you. It rattles the whole earth. That's why it's called an earthquake. You know, and so it rattles everything. And then all of a sudden, an angel comes down, rolls the stone away, and sits on it. I mean, how powerful is that? You know, they're, you know, and they're just, wow, they're awed by this. And they're looking at what had happened. So he literally has handled the business and he's sitting on it. His face shone like lightning. His clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook with fear whenever they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. So here are these trained soldiers, these trained military men that literally fall into faint. They literally pass out. And then I love this next line that the angel says, his, then the angel spoke to the women and says, don't be afraid. It's kind of like, What? I mean, wouldn't you be afraid? I mean, they didn't have special effects like we have today. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so they had not been conditioned to that. Everything that happened blew their mind. And, and he said, hey, listen, don't be afraid. But he gave the reason behind that. He says, don't be afraid. He said, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He says, don't be afraid. I know why you're here. I know what you're looking for. I know what you're thinking. But he said, hey, listen, man, he, he was crucified, but look at this. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. So come see where his body was lying. And so the, the angel is making it clear. Hey, listen, don't be afraid. This is all about Jesus. This is the power of God. This is the power of the resurrection. He said this would take place. He's already told you. And so he's just doing what he said he would do. He says, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. And you will see him there. Remember what I have told you. So here... We see that, you know, it, that Jesus, you know, has, man, he's, he's done exactly what he said he would do. And, he, and the angel is pointing back to, go back to what Jesus said. And I think there's times in our life that we have to do the same thing. We have to go back and, what, is, what does God's word say? What does Jesus say? You know, our opinions may be one thing. Even the fears of this life and this world can sometimes be daunting, kind of like what they were dealing with. Hey, man, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Look back to what Jesus said. Look back to what he told you. His promises are truth, right? And we can lean into those. I love this out of, out of John, the Gospel of John. It says he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. See, a lot of people didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. He came into the world that he created. He spoke these things into existence. Jesus was there at the beginning of creation. And here he appears in human form, and he's going to the cross for you and for me. And what I, what I love about this is it says he came into the world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. They didn't see him as the Messiah. And there were so many people that were trained to look for the Messiah. 
So many of the religious leaders who Jesus often had the worst rub with was the ones that should have been able to see and know that the prophecies are being fulfilled. You know, that God has sent his son. And they would know that, but they had become so religious that religion has this tendency to cause us to miss God. And maybe we can be the same way. We can get so caught up in church and we can get so caught up in to-do list and maybe appearance and all these other things that we miss God. God is about a relationship with us through his son, Jesus Christ. It's not about rituals and routines. And, and Jesus made that clear. When he went to the cross, he bled out his precious blood so that you and I could be in right standing with the Father. Not based on anything that I bring to the table or that you bring to the table, but what he did. It says he came to his own people and even they rejected him. He came to the Jewish people and they, they rejected him. And so that passage points it out and makes it pretty clear. It says, but all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's everybody. That's everybody. And so Jesus says, hey, you know, John is pointing out, he said, man, he was rejected, he was despised, but to all who believed, all who really put their faith in him, all who accepted him as Lord and Savior, man, he gave them the right to become children of God, not just a creation of God. Psalms 139 talks about us being a creation of God, that we are knit together in the secret place in the mother's womb. But when we put our faith in Christ, we become a child of God. We're part of his family. We're adopted in. I love that. And then look here, it says that they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Jesus talked about being reborn. You know, the, whenever he was talking with the guy about that, the guy goes, hey man, do I have to go back into my mother's womb a second time? And he's like, no, no, you're, you're missing it. This is a spiritual birth that takes place. So when, when, some, when someone says, hey man, I've been born again, you know, what they're saying is, they're saying what Jesus said, that we must be born again. That there's a spiritual birth. See, I have a birthday. My birthday is March 5th, 1966. That's my birthday. But I have a spiritual birthday that I don't even really know the date. I just remember the moment. You know what I'm saying? I know I was 19 years old. I was at a church in Chickasaw, Alabama. And I remember hearing the gospel. And I'd heard it many, many times. But that night, I accepted, I, I, I surrendered, and I gave him my life. And everything changed at that moment. And so here's the thing. There had been great guys that had poured into my life and had shared with me and told me the stories I remember going to church, and we would go on canoe campouts. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but we would go, we'd rent canoes, we'd go down, we'd get on a sandbar, we'd go out, and we'd make some kind of meal, you know, in the coals or the fire, you know, some kind of hamburger and all this kind of stuff, and then we would sit around a campfire, and there would be some guy, Mr. Thomas or Mark, Gatlin or Hondo, one would share the gospel, and I remember so many times wanting to give my life to Christ, but I didn't really know enough or either I didn't feel like I was qualified. I didn't feel like I was good enough. So all those years, those seeds were planted in my life. But at the age of 19, it all came together. And for the first time in my life, I surrendered my life to Christ. And I said, Lord, I don't have much to offer, but I give you everything. And so that's what I'm saying. So man, I was born again. So we call it born again or saved, you know, or, or redeemed. And maybe you, if you've never experienced that, then that's what God said. Hey, listen, that's what I sent my son for. So that you could be born again, so that you could be saved, so that you could be redeemed, so that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life forever, never to be erased. I mean, it's written in the blood of Christ. And so whenever we put our faith in Christ, that's what happens. So what changes for me if I really believe in Jesus? And so I put that really in there because I believed before that Jesus died on the cross. I believed before that Jesus was resurrected. I believed the historical story. Does that make sense? But I'm just telling you, at 19, I didn't have anything else to do. I didn't have anything else to offer. And I said, God, I believe with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my being, I put my faith in who Jesus is. 
And I'm just telling you, that's when everything changed, and that's whenever I really believed. And there's sometimes, that maybe there's many of us that we go through life, we've had religion, we've had information, we've got education, but man, we don't have a personal relationship with the Holy God through His Son, Jesus Christ, by faith. And that's what changed everything. That's what really changed for me. And so here, what, what changes in my life did I experience, and what changes can you experience if we put our faith in Christ and we really believe? And here's the, what I love. Everything I've ever done wrong is, is forgiven. It's kind of hard to get your mind around, isn't it? Everything you've ever done wrong is forgiven. And I know some of you in here and some of you watching online are probably thinking, Mike, you don't know what I've done. I don't, but God does. But he's the one that says it. He's the one that offers salvation to you. He's the one that offers forgiveness for anything and everything that you've done, past, present, and future. And, and so here's a God that loves you so much that he says, hey, listen, I'll show you grace. I was standing in the back this morning praying with our prayer team, and I was like, God, I thank you that this is a grace place. Man, this is a place where grace is shown. This is a place where grace is preached. You know, but the thing is, if God, he is the one that gives that grace. He's the one that shows that grace and that mercy. And so everything I've ever done wrong is forgiven, which is hard to get our mind around because we all have a past, right? We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So you can be a criminal hanging on a cross next to Jesus. Or you can be a king. Or you can be a pauper. You can be a slave. You can be whatever. But, man, it's, it's for anybody who wants to be saved, to be born again, to know that you are in right standing with the holy God. Jesus said, hey, this is for everybody. He came and he died for all people. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you make. It doesn't matter how educated you are. It's for all people. And, and so I love, that's the good news, that God loves you and wants a relationship with you. And so as we unpack this, it says, for everyone who's sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We've all messed up. And there are some people who say, well, you know, I've never really been that bad. And I remember at one point in my life thinking, well, you know, I've never killed anybody. You know, I've never done a few things, you know, and I started kind of justifying my sin in my life. And then I can remember, you know, hearing someone say, we know, hey, listen, if you've ever told a little white lie, you're guilty of sin. I was thinking, I've done that. If you ever stole anything, you're guilty of sin. I remember, I've done, done that. You know, I had stole a little booklet, a Tonka truck. Y'all, y'all remember Tonka trucks, how cool they were when you were a kid, when they were really good and they weren't plastic? You know, you know, and so they were all, and I remember going into a store and taking that. It was about four or five years old. The little booklet that showed, it was almost like a little catalog. And I'm thinking, hey, I want one of those. I want one of those. And I eased out of a Western Auto with it. And, you know, and I knew it was wrong. I knew that I was doing the wrong thing. And when I get to the next store, the Super 5 and 10 is what we call her, the dime store. And my mom goes, where'd you get that? And I'm, and I'm thinking, um, you know, it's all over me, you know. And she goes, you're taking it back. And, of course, I'm crying, you know, and everything. And she walks me in there, and I have to go in and apologize and have to give it back. But here's the thing. I knew what I was doing was wrong. So everybody in this room, we've all fallen short of God's standard. If you've lied, if you cheated, you stole anything, if you've lusted, if you've had greed, jealousy, then you're, you're guilty of sin. So we all, we all need a Savior. We all need someone to redeem us. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus whenever he freed us from the penalty of our sins. And so hopefully today you realize, you know what? That God is the one that shows grace. God is the one that shows mercy. And it, man, when we look at the cross, I don't know about you, but I look at the cross, I see mercy. Friday morning I was with a couple of brothers and we were praying together. And I got so choked up I couldn't even pray. Because I was thinking about what mercy God showed. He showed to the whole world, but he showed to me. And he revealed his mercy and his grace to me by saying, Mike, my son died for you. He redeemed you. And, and man, I can't, I can't get past a, 
a good Friday without being reflective and thinking back to what price was paid for my sins and that he freed me from my sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. When we believe. So it's, it's not about knowledge. It's not about going through some ritual or routine. It's about believing. And when I say believing, I'm talking about really believing with everything that's in you, with all the faith that you have. And so we've got to be willing to say, you know, God, I understand. In Acts, I love this. This is the actions of the early church. It says, he is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. It's only through Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And so he's telling the whole world, hey, listen, it's the most exclusive statement Jesus ever made, but he says there's one way. Now, there's other teachings and other religions out there that will tell you, hey, there's, there's all kinds of roads that lead to heaven, but that's not what the, the Messiah said. That's not what Jesus said. We call that universalism. And there's a lot of people that would like it to be that way. We say, hey, man, that sounds so much easier. There's all kinds of roads that get there. And Jesus said there's only one way, and it's through him. So the second thing is God's powers at work in me. It gives me strength for every day. And so whenever I really believe, when I put my faith in Christ, when I surrender my life, the cool thing is, is not only is, are my sins forgiven, all, everything that I've done wrong is forgiven, but there's a power at work in me that gives me strength for each day. And I don't know about you guys, maybe you're, Maybe you had a rough day already today, you know, or maybe it's been a rough week, and there are times you go, you know, I just don't have strength to keep going. Maybe not in this marriage, maybe not in the, with these kids, maybe not with this job, and, you're, and you're, you're just wanting to throw in the towel all the time. God says he'll give you strength to make each day. He'll give you strength to say no. He'll give you strength to keep moving forward. He'll give you strength to stand with boldness and proclaim the good news. He'll give you whatever you need. And so I love the, 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 the fact that Paul talked to the church at Ephesus here, he says, I also pray, this is Paul praying for the church, so this is my prayer for us as well. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. See, my prayer is for the church and for Journey Church and for every church that is, that is lined up with the word of God, that they understand the power of God is at work in us. That we're, we're not pushovers. You know, and we're not, we're not wimpy believers. We're not weak-minded people. If anything, we're filled with the power of God. We ought to walk in that authority and that boldness and go, you know what? Man, I am not. I'm more than a conqueror is what God says about me. And then we walk in that. We believe that. Look at this. It says, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So if we can get our mind around the fact that, you know what, hey, the resurrection is powerful, it is important. We celebrated it, right, as, as the church a few minutes ago. Whenever we talked about the resurrection, man, we gave applause. But here's the thing we need to understand is resurrection power is at work in every believer. The same power that resurrected Christ is at work in me. It's at work in you. So we don't need to walk through life being pushed around by the enemy. We need to walk in the authority that Christ has given us. And we need to walk in his teaching, follow his teaching, live according to his word. And he'll give you strength for every day. He'll give you strength to keep pressing on. It doesn't matter if you're facing uh, physical disease, whatever, even maybe cancer, whatever it might be. You go, God, I need strength, and he will give that to you. Maybe you're going through an emotional situation. God, I need strength. He will give that to you. God, I'm going through a relational situation. God, I need strength. He will give that to you. Whatever it might be, God gives us the strength, and it's resurrection power that is at work. Here's the third thing. I'm guaranteed eternal life. I love this. I love this. This is where everything changes. You know, I don't know about you, but there, I can remember as a kid wondering, hey, if I die tonight, will I really go to heaven? I don't know. 
But I can remember after the age of 19, me getting on my knees and praying a simple prayer and surrendering my life and my heart, I knew from that point forward, man, when I laid my head down on my pillow at night, I knew that I had peace with God, that I was in a right relationship with the Heavenly Father. I didn't have to wonder about that. I didn't have to worry about that. I didn't have any kind of anxiety because of that. But I was guaranteed eternal life, not because of anything I did, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that's what we see in John three sixteen. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So that's God's promise, right? Most of us know John three sixteen. We've heard it. We've seen it, you know. But the thing is, have we embraced it? Do we believe? Do we really believe that to be truth? And in verse 17, I love this. It says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God's plan was to say, hey, I'm sending my son Jesus to save you. That's how much I love you. God loved the world. God sent his son not to condemn the world, but to, re- to redeem the world, to, to save us. In Romans 10, it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I love that, that open declaration, that public declaration. That's what baptism is. You know, we got 20-something people that have gone through the waters or will this weekend through the ba- waters of baptism. What they're doing is they're going public and saying, hey, I want everybody to know that Christ lives in me. I have surrendered my life to him. I've asked Jesus to come in and to really, really be the Lord of my life. I've surrendered everything. I want to live for him from this point forward. And what they're doing is they're going public. When we baptize, we say, hey, upon that public declaration or that, po- that public proclamation, we'll say, hey, we baptize you, our brother, our sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in a newness of life. We're even illustrating the power of the resurrection in a baptism. Do y'all realize that? I mean, that's what you're doing. You say, hey, man, I want everybody to know Christ lives in me. And man, there's resurrection power in me just through the waters of baptism we illustrate that. And I think sometimes we miss that, that the power of God is at work in us. And we have this, this salvation that is at work in us. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. God, I give you my heart. God, I believe with everything that's in me, all the faith that I have. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. To God, I believe. God, I believe with everything that's in me. God, I believe and I want everybody to know that I believe. And so we're not ashamed of the gospel at all. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Whom God holds in his hand, no one can snatch away. And so whenever we know that we know, if you ever hear me leading someone through baptism, I ask them, say, do you know without a shadow of a doubt Christ lives in your heart? Do you know that you've been born again? Do you know that you've been saved? And when you know that, man, you know, you know what? I'm his. I'm part of his family. I've been brought into his family. And I'm his. I'm part of that family. I cannot be disowned or disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. See, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It just matters what you believe. What, who do you surrender to? Who do you serve? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that. Look at this, this next passage. I love this one. I don't think this is in y'all's handouts or whatever, but I just can't get away from this passage sometimes whenever I feel like people wonder, hey, does God really love me? Because see, for me, whenever I was wrestling with my salvation, and whether or not, it was, it was like, I don't know if God could, could help me. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I qualify. And it was all about, I don't know if God would accept me. It's because I'd, I'd, made, I'd made too many bad decisions and done too many things. I felt like went against his teaching. And I thought, well, he probably won't accept me. But then, you know, when I read this passage, it reminds me of how much he loves me. It says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves, me, loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. And understand, the Christians were being killed in this, when this, all this is writing. This Christian is being killed. 
As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. We have victory through Jesus, right? We have victory through Christ. Victory over, over the grave, over death, over sin, over anxiety, over depression. Whatever it might be, we have victory over that. We get to walk in that because of what Christ did. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing. Paul says, hey, nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. We get to walk in that. We have that authority. We have that, that confidence, that hope, right? And, and we walk in that. We know, you know what, I'm his child. I'm part of his family. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? Let's look at this, this fourth one and we're done. Jesus changes my life for the better as I allow the Holy Spirit to lead me. So those are, those are four things that we experience, right? You know, we're forgiven. That's, that, when, that's what really changes. I'm forgiven. You know, we, we can go down that list. We can talk about things. I'm filled with the power to, to handle every day. You know, and, and God is at work in, in me. And this last one here, Jesus changes my life for the better. I mean, we're changed. If there's no change in your life, whenever you give your life to Christ, and there's no change, there's probably no Jesus. You may have just made a decision. Like, I can remember people writing on a card, hey, man, I want to give my life to Christ. But there's no change. There's no surrender. There's nothing that really happens. And we have to ask, you know, was I just filling out a card or did I surrender my life? I, I raised my hand for salvation. But, man, was there any commitment? Was there any surrender to that? I love this passage here. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy. There's mercy again, right? So God's showing us mercy that we've been born again. There's born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. There's the resurrection, right? It's the power of the resurrection. That's what we celebrate with Easter. It's the power of the resurrection. Death has been defeated. The grave has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. We get to walk in that truth. We get to walk in that freedom. And so all praise to God the Father. Now look at this. It says, now we live with great expectation. Do you live with great expectation or do you live with dreary, you know, like worried? Everything's half empty. You know, always going, you know, oh man, we got to get up today. It's another day. But do we get up with expectation like, you know what? God has given me another day. I get to be a witness for him. God has given me a family to pour into, given me a family to lead. Not, man, I don't know what I'm going to do with these kids. But we'll go, God, thank you for the blessings in my life. Do we, do we walk through life with great expectation? God, I know that you're going to use me. I just don't know where you're going to use me yet. I remember when Laurie and I were praying about where we were going to plant the church. I knew what Journey Church would look like, smell like, and feel like. I just didn't know where it was going to be. It was kind of our Abraham moment. I remember going, God, where do you want me to be? Where do you want Journey Church to be? And so God had to lead me on that. I had to trust him day, day, day after day. And so do we live with great expectation? We were in here praying yesterday morning. When we walked out of here, we said, hey, we're praying with expectancy. We're praying with great expectation. So I love this. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. We live in a broken world that's full of decay. But man, when we put our life in the hands of Jesus and we surrender our life to him, he takes care of bringing us into the family, writing our name in the Lamb's book of life that's kept in heaven. It doesn't decay. I love Galatians 5 here. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. And so what God's Word is saying to us, man, we put our faith in Christ. This is what our life begins to look like. Instead of having bitterness and anger and resentment, we have love. Instead of, you know, hate, we have joy. Instead of anxiety, we have peace. See, the fruits of the flesh are one thing. And all we have to do is kind of look at the Scriptures and see. You can read above this where it talks about the fruits of the flesh. And you can see, does that look like my life? Is there anxiety? Is there rage? Is there all these things, jealousy? All these things that, you know, don't honor God. There's patience. There's kindness. There's goodness. There's faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control for those who put their faith in Christ. For those that believe. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us each day, we begin to experience this. And here's the thing I love is the people in our life begin to see the fruit of the Spirit of God at work in our life. Our family members see our love for them. They see the joy on our face no matter what we're going through. They see the peace that passes understanding. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. So there's some things maybe that you're feeling like, you know, today that God is dealing with you about. He's saying, listen, you need to nail those things to the cross. Leave them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's in our marriage. That's as a family, parenting, our career. You know, no matter where we go, man, we want to be led by God's Spirit. So here's this last part. What must I do to really believe? To really believe, to really be changed, to be transformed. And I think these are pretty simple and pretty clear. But we confess your sin and your need to God. So you say, God, I'm a sinner. And whatever that sin might be, there's plenty that I've listed today that you go, you know what, that's me. And so you, got, you, you confess your sin and say, God, I'm a sinner. And God, I need a Savior. That's our need. God, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to save me. I need Him to change me. I need to be reborn. The second one's this. Receive God's gift of salvation by faith in Jesus. Don't try to earn it. Don't, don't disgrace Jesus by trying to earn it. Just receive the gift of salvation. It's free. Remember? It said freely. God shows His grace freely. And so we receive it by faith. That's hard for us to get our mind around. We're always like, well, you gotta, it's going to cost me something. There's nothing free. That's what we always say. But Jesus says, you're wrong. He says, I'll give freely if you'll receive. And then the last one is follow Jesus daily by faith. Follow His teaching. Get into His Word. Line up with what He says. Love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Trust Him, and He'll lead you. To life everlasting, to an abundant life. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe there's somebody here in the room, maybe there's somebody watching online that you realize today you need to be born again. You need to be saved. You need to be changed by the power of the resurrection. You realize your need. Maybe you're like I was when I was 19. I realized I, I had a need, and I realized that Jesus was the only way. And that was my night of surrender. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're here. You go, Mike, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. Anybody in the room, just raise your hand. Raise it high so I can see. I just want to pray with you and pray for you. Anybody, just raise your hand and say, Mike, I see your hand back here. Anybody else? 
your answered prayer, I want you to know. Anybody else? Just raise your hand high. So Mike, I want to I want to really believe. Maybe you're watching online, you can text my decision to 94,000. Let us know you want to receive Christ. Let me walk you through a prayer. It has to be the prayer of your heart. But it's your decision. I want to walk you through this. Just say, Jesus, I confess my sins to you. I'm a sinner. Jesus, I confess my need to you. I need a Savior. Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my life, to be my leader, my my Lord. And I, I really want to put my faith in you. All the faith that I have. Jesus, will you teach me how to live for you? I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. And if you pray that prayer and you confess your sin, it says he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. And when we repent and we turn to him, he says that we literally are washed, made clean, made whole. And we become a part of his family. If you just prayed that prayer, again, I just want you to know we celebrate that. You have just experienced the power of the resurrection. Death no longer has a hold on you, nor does sin or the grave. And for every believer in this room, we rejoice. All of heaven rejoices if one calls on his name. And so we rejoice with you. So welcome to the family of God. In just a minute, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Their pastors and the prayer team will be here at the front to, to pray with you. There may be something you need to go lay down at the altar. Maybe you just need to go down and ask someone to pray over you. Pray for your family. Pray for your marriage. That's what we do. And we believe in the power of prayer. Someone ask everybody across the room just to stand. Everybody respond as the Holy Spirit leads. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I pray that as we respond right now, God, I pray that we would trust you. Father, I pray for the, I thank you for the ones that have raised their hand for salvation. God, thank you for bringing them into your family. God, thank you that they're our brother, our sister in Christ today. And Father, I thank you for Easter. I thank you for the power of the resurrection. God, change us right now. Even for the believers that are in this room that have not been living out their life in such a way that the, the fruits of the Spirit are there. God, let today be a moment of change. In Jesus' name, amen. You respond as the Holy Spirit leads. Prayer team will be here to pray with you.